content warning for long discussions of sexual abuse and abuse of minors. Please be advised. London town, beans on toast and top hats on my head. That is their national anthem. How did you know that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> so I posted a video of that fire burn that I did last month. You looked so awesome. So perfect. So sexy. Goddess. Queen. Oh, thank you. I'll take the compliments. I'm bringing it up because so it was a stunt. I was doing something with circus professionals. It's not gory. It's not crazy. It's just a stupid video. There's nothing bad on it. And TikTok immediately removed it for encouraging dangerous behavior. (laughs) Weren't you like flying in the air and they lit you on fire or something? Yeah, but it's not like I was drunk poured gasoline on myself and set myself on fire i know that it's just probably you know ai or bots watching that there's somebody on fire and they're just immediately right isn't it quite ironic (laughs) alanis morissette that they have zero problems with parents openly sex trafficking their kids on that app but not a professional stunt performer doing a photo shoot no that's that's where they draw the line weird TikTok is a place of like so many rules and also no rules at all. Like I don't know how to behave on that app. I feel like I'm back at home and like everything I'm doing is wrong. <laughs> yeah, where it's just arbitrary rules that don't make any sense. And you're like, I yeah. guess I'm I guess so. I guess we do these things. I guess we're doing this now. I'm gonna say that maybe this is a really good example of how just bot monitoring is not near enough to police a social sharing service. Call me crazy. Call me crazy, Amber. No, you're crazy, Natalie. You need humans on the other end. But now you might get like those Facebook moderators and they're all going caca on the head because they're just looking at videos all day of people getting foobard, you know? I I agree, but... um, I don't know. It's it's a moral dilemma. I know. (laughs) It's your video. My video should not have been taken off and the parents selling their children should be taken off. I mean, I'm saying controversial things here, but that's what I do. That's what we do on the show. Welcome to Someplace Underneath. I'm Natalie Jean. I'm Amber Nelson. So speaking of trafficking your own children, we're going to get into this episode topic, I promise you, but I have to give you another update. We just did the update episode for season two. Since we're right in the middle of parasocial exploitation, I didn't really talk about that, but there is already an update for (laughs) this series. I'm probably going to do a video for that for socials. Let's see if TikTok flags me doing a video for maybe harassment of sexual predators. Oh, you can't harass the sexual predators, Natalie. They might get their feelings hurt. Yeah, we'll see. This is an update on Starlight Nation. Do you remember this, Amber? It was from a couple episodes back. Oh, yeah. Starlight Nation. Yay. Rediscover your kids. Oh, dude. I don't know if you should be writing a jingle for them. Did they pay you for that? (laughs) They did. They gave me six chicken fingers. Oh, man. That's how they pay their kids, too. Isn't that funny? So 
if you need a refresher, it is a company that's connected to another company called Select Sets. These are websites that basically pay parents to take photos of their children in like sexy clothes. And then those people who are the photographers for this company sell those photos to pedophiles, right? And they've been getting shut down. They've been having a lot of issues and it is strictly based on moms and like random people reporting them. There's no police investigating. There was like none of these things going on. The apps are definitely not monitoring it. You know, there's been these campaigns amongst people trying to get them shut down and they keep doing that. But then the photographers kind of keep just making these new companies up. By the way, this information was gathered largely from a TikTok account that is it's hard. I don't know how to pronounce it. It's R-I-A-D-A-A-R-A-E-S, which is the woman's name backwards. Her name's Sarah Adair. So some of these things I'm talking about are alleged, but there is enough corroborating evidence that I'm comfortable reporting this. So it's just insane that this private citizen has to do all this legwork for this app and for the police, but this is where we are currently. <laughs> so one of the main photographers for Starlight Nation was a guy who went by DJ Knight, who we talked about on that episode. He has just been arrested in the last week. Good. Yeah. So his real name is Larry Wagner, but he also had a public Facebook page under the name DJ Wagner. He was one of the main photographers for Starlight Nation who was doing these things with these families and then selling these pictures to pedophiles for a profit. But not only that, he was also an imbiber. So even though what he was doing should be illegal, it's not. Fortunately and unfortunately, they also were able to find CSM on his personal computer. So Whoa. imagine that. The guy is taking sexy photos of teens also is a sex predator. Yeah, I highly doubt he's going to want like a full-grown woman be aroused by that. He probably is also sexually attracted to a child. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to be if you are willing and able to take these like erotic not erotic because I would never think of like what's a sexy photo for a kid I I can't put those two words together oh I guess you're okay then (laughs) (laughs) so yeah he actually just was arrested which is great hopefully it's enough to get him off the street for at least a couple decades we'll see sometimes it's not very long but maybe there's enough evidence for him to go away for a while this is also on top of another photographer running the same scam who we briefly talked about on one of those episodes whose name is Grant Dirchi he was arrested this year in March and he was another one of these sexy bikini child photographers he was arrested in March but he was out on bail and he was continuing to post and sell underage girls photos online for months after he was arrested it's disgusting take these men and throw them in a bottomless pit I know and it's it's just like there's no oversight on these apps so he was just getting away with doing it even after he was arrested and I think all of it's been shut down at this point I think his case is still ongoing also by the way reporting from Forbes magazine So it does seem like they're going to be able to charge him with stuff. But this is one of those guys that I imagine, like many of these guys, will just keep reoffending until he's literally strapped down in a cell. They just cannot help themselves. I mean, they can. I I don't give them, you know, any grace. But like, they can't help it. But their impulse controls are so low, it seems like. They're never going to just go, oh, what I'm doing is wrong. I should stop doing this now. Mm. Hopefully he's going to fucking sit in a room for a few decades. 
Oh, also, by the way, just to throw it out there, I'm just going to say his name because I don't fucking care. The owner of Select Sets and Starlight Nation is allegedly a man named Jim Ledestri, who, according to his LinkedIn, is founder and director of Border City Media, Inc. out of New York. Oh, big New York guy. Yeah. I mean, technically, he does have like kind of a big professional background, which is really gross because if this guy is funding Starlight Nations and Select Sets and all this stuff, chances are he's also into that. You know what I mean? Oh my God. So is this why I went on all those auditions in New York and like these dudes were like, I don't know, kind of old. And I was like 23. Yeah, Yeah. probably some of them were in fact pedophiles. So yeah, this dude allegedly runs these horrible sites. He... Also founded something called Buzz Angle Media, which it became Alpha Data. And Alpha Data is music analytics firm, which provides statistics for the music industry, including recording sales and music streaming. Buzz Angle partnered with Rolling Stone to provide information for the magazine's music charts. Good for them. Yeah, isn't that great? So he's running this bikini stuff with the kids. He's also working like basically he like collects data. It's like data collecting service for the music industry so they can like follow trends and shit. And as such, you know, his company's thrown parties. So when you Google him, you see him in these like party photos with Paul Abdul and Reba McIntyre and stuff. And to be clear, I'm not saying those people have anything to do with the bad stuff. They're probably have no fucking clue about his side hobby, but it's, you know, Interesting. He is connected. So you do wonder if there's other people in the music industry who knows what he does and are are funding it with him. Natalie, you are doing the Lord's work. You got to be careful. Somebody's going to come up, you know, some of these guys, they're they're bad dudes. They're high up there. You fucking throw some flamethrower. You don't care. I I honestly don't. You lit yourself on fire. You don't care. (laughs) They can't be doing this, man. It's crazy. So, yeah, again, if you want to see a bigger like rap sheet of these things go check out that woman's tiktok sarah adir so anyway there there's a slow trickle of action that's being taken but the only reason fbi has been able to nail these guys is because they had files considered to be csam on their computers the action of these mothers taking money from these men so the little girls can be taking sexy photos like it's not currently illegal and I personally would like to see these mothers face criminal justice too. What they're doing is so disgusting. They're not being taken seriously as predators. And because they're parents, I say that it's 10 times more reason to arrest them. Yeah. These babies suckled on your breast. You carried them inside of you. And now you're like, I guess I'll sell them to grown men to ogle over for money, like for money, for good cash. Apparently through the Forbes expose, some of these mothers would get like a thousand dollars per shoot. For their kid, which is, I mean, compared to your child's innocence, nothing. But I nothing. guess they think that's some good cash or something. I don't know. It's repulsive and it should be illegal. These mothers should have to face consequences for this. It's disgusting. Yeah. That is crazy that because it's your own kid, you can do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's why we've been talking about this sort of advocate stuff. These kids who are technically missing because their parents are considered this God figure that like they just get to do whatever they want to their kids. And, and because it's their kid, it doesn't matter. It's horrible. It's really, ugh, I don't know. I don't know how you could ever be like that. So the bulk of this episode also involves parents enabling and sometimes participating in harm of their children, but maybe in a different way. We're going to be discussing Davi Vanity. I try to balance all this information when I'm talking about somebody like him who's 
guilty of inflicting a lot of pain on others. So my goal is not to like sensationalize him, but I want to provide the relevant information without going too far into illicit details or even making this person seem overly important. I know that we need to talk about him. Well, for the reasons we'll get into. Some of you may know him through his music. (laughs) Or perhaps you saw the dust up about him two years ago. In 2020, Chris Hansen took the story on because there were so many accusations and nothing was being done. So there was FBI involvement at that point. But as it stands today, two years after all of the FBI stuff started getting involved, it appears that he is still free and walking the streets of Florida. Florida. Yeah, of course. We'll get into some of the failures that Florida has done with this case. Believe me. It's also, I wonder in 2020, how much crime, trafficking, illegal things happened that were swept under the rug because we had a worldwide plague. Yeah. Well, definitely... That has been stated by the people involved in this case that, yes, it will have been taken into a slow or even a standstill at points because literally as this was unfolding was like the first three weeks of COVID. Yeah. So it was a shit show in the entire world. However, two years later, with somebody who's such a prolific offender, I'm very frustrated. And I know a lot of other people are as well. So if you're not familiar with him, we're going to talk a little bit about what he's done and who he is. I can't fully express how disgusted and disappointed I am in our justice system. Because last time when I mentioned him at the end of the other episode, I had said that there were 33 victims who had come forward so far. And that was incorrect. There have actually been at minimum 49 survivors with credible stories. And it's more likely in the hundreds. Oh, yeah. Because how many people are too afraid to come out and be accused and called a liar and you're making it up? Wow. Yeah. So there's at least 49 who have very credible stories and and evidence that they had spent time with him or around him or had text messages from him. There's many more who've come forward who maybe haven't been completely verified. But at this point, they might have been because I'm going off of the information that came up as the FBI case was starting. A lot of people involved at the core of it can't really say a lot because there's an open investigation. However, this is over two years later and this man no matter how long the filing and evidence takes, is still out in the world right now, almost certainly offending as we speak. Wow, he could be behind you in line at Publix. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Anywhere. And is probably also making new victims right now. He has displayed such a clear lack of impulse control. There is almost allegedly no chance that he is not actively seeking out children right now. It's a catastrophic failure on the part of our justice system. I'm not even trying to point fingers at like an agent or like, you know, this group of people. It's like the way our laws are set up have failed these girls. It has. It's just because of this red tape when there's so much evidence. He's now created new victims in this interim. Absolutely unquestionable in my mind, in my opinion. There's a couple of the main people I want to talk about when we're wrapping up parasocial exploitation in this realm. We're, I want to do that because they are still currently out in the world, just walking around, allegedly offending. So these individuals, including today's subject, are prolific in the number, the, just the mass amount of times they've offended and have been ignored by authorities for some of the reasons that we outlined in the last episode. But 
I know some victims uh, agree with the things I've said, which we'll, we'll talk about a little bit later, but these are a couple of the most notorious of this world, which is like the, the personality-based exploitation. So the guy from the scene, the, the comedy YouTuber, the guys who are preying on girls um, in this way, the couple that we're going to talk about on Spun are some of the ones with the biggest numbers. There's still a lot of other ones, though. Even since I mentioned them last episode, I've gotten several messages from people asking me if I've looked into this musician or this person or this artist. And many of them I've never even heard of or I knew of the band, but not of the accusations. So there's a bunch of them. I don't want to name those ones, though, because I haven't been able to do enough research to speak on them. But I definitely will go back and look through it. So this guy, uh, man, this guy's stacked up so many credible accusations, some with direct evidence. It's staggering. I cannot express that enough. It blows my mind that he's still on the street. It, it's insane. So again, he, his stage name is Davi Vanity. And <laughs> it, sounds, yeah, it sounds like he has a slick back hair. I'd be like, oh, it's Davi, baby. Davi, you want to come over to my penthouse, Davi? Davi. He's definitely not in a penthouse now. He lives with his mom again. Ugh. That is a little. I just put a, a picture of him as a baby with his mother. That little baby. Aww. That little baby. His mom's really pretty. But that little baby grew up to be a monster. Uh-huh. And there's a lot of potential alleged evidence that she's kind of enabling his behavior. Not necessarily like encouraging it, but has, you know, protected him over and over again oh yeah my boy can do no wrong sweet baby boy i've seen that a lot of like guys will go off and do heinous stuff and their mom is always the first to defend them and i get it like you know you mothered him and it would be easier to admit these people are liars than my son is a monster but sometimes your son's a monster yeah and, and isn't that truly loving your child if you know he's sick to get him help instead of just like allowing him to continue it'd be like the same if if he was a heroin addict and you're like, well, he just likes heroin. I don't know. <laughs> Instead of trying to get him help. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I do. I do feel like there should be a mother test that like before you get pregnant, you go, if your son or child or daughter turns out to be a child rapist, will you protect them? And if you say yes, don't have any kids, you know? Yeah, no kids. I'm not trying to micromanage pregnancy, but am I? <laughs> what were you going to say, Amber? I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> His real name, again, is Jesus Torres, which is how I'll be referring to him moving forward. Um, he was born in North Carolina in 1984, and his family moved to Orlando at some point in his younger years. It's very, there's very little he's revealed of himself. He says that his family was poor and moved to Florida to start over. However, some of his victims who knew him more personally say that by the time they met him, his family was pretty well off. Oh, is it one of those people that were like, my family was so poor, we could only afford two horses? I mean, perhaps. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to say. He What he claims is that they were poor in North Carolina and then whatever they did when they moved to Orlando to start a new... I guess they're, they did okay for themselves, or maybe they always had the money. I don't know. But the people who interacted with him after he lived in Florida said that he had like a lot of money. 
His mother has made a few camera appearances, but as far as I know, his siblings and father stay out of the spotlight completely. Um, so I have watched an interview with her. I've, I've seen her in some photos with him, but most of his family is just like not in the picture. But according to some firsthand accounts, it sounds like his family has been quite enabling over the years. Also, um, or at least in denial at the very least. Also, that he lived with his mom deep into his 20s and then returned there after all of the accusations started, presumably to hide. So that's where he is today. He keeps a pretty tight lid on his childhood, most likely because he's always trying to front as this mysterious like cartoon character and trying to present himself as much younger than he actually is. He's currently pushing 40, but he plays himself off as a teenager. Disgusting. Yeah, which is what I thought when I encountered him for the first time. So I mentioned that I was on the 2011 Warp Tour with him. And now I realize in many ways that was sort of the peak moment for the band uh, Blood on the Dance Floor. They had risen in popularity at that point, but there were already a lot of accusations that I'm sure most everyone he was touring with were unaware of. Like the band wasn't, we'll get into what the band knew and didn't know. Um, but yeah, we'll get back to that. So when I was working on Warp Tour, it was with a small crew who was filming sort of this like um, immersive horror movie on the tour. So the guy who runs Warp Tour, Kevin Lyman, had hired my friend to do this over several other Warp Tours. I think to sort of add excitement and ambiance and have media out there. So it basically, it was very fun. It was a fun gig. We, my friend and I played murderers and we would kill the bands off in scenes. Um, oh, fun. You're doing so much fun stuff, Natalie. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's you still weird, do. <laughs> it's been a weird ride so far. Yeah, it was really, really fun time. I'll always cherish that summer. And I also did some a little bit the next summer. I'll see if I can find photos of me from it. Hell Yeah. <laughs> Basically, we went on the road with the musicians, with the tour, and we, at you know, at initially the first few tour dates, we would go up to a lot of the bands and have a, like brief meetings with them and ask if they wanted to be involved. Some were super enthusiastic. Some were sort of like, uh, I don't know, maybe I have to think about it. And some just said, no, I'm not, I'm not super interested. But a lot of the bands were like, fuck yeah, let's get killed. I want to get killed in a scene. And however they answered, everyone was completely cool. Like there was nobody being dicks. It like, it wasn't some sort of requirement. It was just like based on enthusiasm. So we had really lovely interactions with everyone, regardless of their interest. Mostly. <laughs> I'd never heard of Blood on the Dance Floor at that point because I wasn't 13. And <laughs> and while being on that tour introduced me to some bands that I'd never heard of and fell in love with, Blood on the Dance Floor was not one of those bands. Not because of his actions, but they're just... The, that is barely music. It's so bad. Yeah, it's bad. It's like music for teenagers that like, even when I was a teenager, I would think it'd be so fucking dumb. You know, yes. I was oh, listening yeah. to this and like, I don't think I would ever be into this. No. And I listen to crust punk bands like though. So and if I'm saying this is not a good band. Yeah. Um, yeah. You listen to two guys with like beating 10 cans in an alley and you're like, this yes. is good. Yes. Seriously. <laughs> that was not one of the bands that I found because I watched walked by. Them. They're very 
they intentionally make themselves look very garish and then they stand out. So I had a distinct memory of them and and listening to their music and being like, oh, no, no, I'm going to (laughs) go. You know, I was because I was in my late 20s in at that point. So the music was not for me. Curious that it wouldn't be for an adult woman, huh? So if you're not familiar with blood on the dance floor, it is objectively hot, steaming garbage with poop on top of it. It's truly bad music with a capital B and M. Oh, B and M. BM. It's a BM. <laughs> I find I find it hard to believe anyone over the age of 15 could find this appealing in any way. But I didn't think much of it. It was a tour, you know, War Tour is like, I'm sure most of you know what that is. It's a tour with like 50 bands on it. So it was constant fun chaos. So, you know, I wasn't thinking about them very much, but I do remember seeing them just based on their, you know, again, cartoonish appearances and, you know, no shade. I dress like a lunatic, but I also don't try to make myself look like a teenager, which is really weird. But if you've never seen them, they wear like tons of layers and bright colors and they have chains and jewelry on and like just random things are jangling off of them. You know what I mean? They look like sort of like dystopian cyberpunks. Yeah, like fishing hooks. Yeah, just off, hanging off of something. Yeah, something weird. And those long sleeve yeah. shirts with like the stripe, the white and the black stripes. Does it make sense? With like the thumb sure. hole cut out of it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Hot topic. It's hot topic, basically, which I worked at. So no, again, no shade. But hey, I still <laughs> like hot topic. I have some socks from hot topic. I shop there all the For time. Sure. Absolutely. By the way, uh, it's pretty much now confirmed that Torres's wild hair were all wigs. Um, <laughs> it's technically still speculation. He strikes me as like some douchey, like Judy Garland type who's just like in his dressing room with like a weird hair and like putting a wig on and lipstick and being like, all right, lights, camera, action. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, Not saying except- Judy Garland. Like an old starlet or something. Yeah, if, if Judy Garland's main goal was to entice middle schoolers. Yes, very much so. Uh, he was, uh, by many accounts, a diva and uh, very difficult to work with. So, um, yeah, but I, I have it on direct authority, uh, one degree. Like, uh, I wasn't there, but the person I'm, I know what had seen and knows about the wigs, like, cut and styled some of them. So he's a bald guy under there, which is fine, but he pretends like he's not. So the fact is, I don't really care. I just want to make fun of him. So there you go. Well, (laughs) and his hair technically is important because it's how he got access to his first victims. We'll get back to that in a second, but the wigs are all like day glow and they spike, they're spiky and rock and roll mullets, whatever they're seeing kids shit at one point towards the beginning of that tour. When we were gauging everyone's interest level in the movie, we went by their tour bus and he and a couple others he was with were seated in these little go-kart looking things. I don't remember exactly what they were, but I just remember thinking they looked like Mario Kart characters and I don't know how they had them. They must've had them on their, in their like tour like stuff and their writer or something. Yeah. I think they maybe just had like a U-Haul with shit in it. And that was something that they had. So my friend who I was doing this with walked over to see if they were interested at all in the doing a kill scene. And all I remember is this weird cartoonish sort of giggling response from him. And then him zipping away in that little car. And 
I didn't know who he was at the time. So I didn't have any like judgment of him. But I just remember feeling it was very bizarre and extremely annoying. Like based on his strange response and actions, I j- just assumed he was a bratty teenager who had somehow made his band known maybe, you know, like on MySpace or YouTube or something enough to get on the tour. Cause a lot of times the younger bands were on the tour. Um, but it was such a weird little like, I don't know, and he's like, and he just zipped off. Little did I know he was pushing 30 at this time. Yeah. This is like, God, what's that? Whatever happened to baby Jane vibes. Mm-hmm. That's what this is. That's what I meant to say. Have you seen that movie where like, oh yeah, the women are in that caked out makeup and they're like, I'm just a baby. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's, pretty, that's what that's he pretty, is. Yes. I very close to, I would say, um, so he and I are very close in age, but at the time he was up fronting, obviously, to, uh, uh, I thought he was 18, maybe not in a positive way. So whether or not he had any like girls with him at this point, I don't remember. But that is one of his MOs is constantly being surrounded by young women. And a lot of times we now know young, they're not young women, they're young girls. Um, but I do remember later on on the tour that on one of the grounds we were set up on, the backstage areas, you know, wherever we're set up, have their own, of course, bathrooms away from the public. So I was in one of the girls' bathrooms and I was getting ready and there was a group of young women, I hope, <laughs> putting on all of their regalia it, enough that it, they were very obviously with blood on the dance floor because they have such a distinct look and their fans all have that look. Um, and so now I'm, I look back at that and wonder if those were some of his victims and if they were Ooh. kids. Because it would never even crossed my mind that those were children, but they were young, and now they tried to make themselves look older. He tried to make himself look younger. It's true, absolutely, because like I said, the number of minors he's assaulted is prolific. Uh, So far, again, about fifty at least minimum have come forward. Probably a lot more at this point with sexual assault accusations. This, based on statistics, would mean that this is a mere fraction of the actual number. There have been whispers of this for a long time. One of the earliest articles to come out about this was in 2018 in August. The title of this article from Metal Sucks is... Blood on the dance floor is Davine Vanity accused of sexually assaulting multiple women, many while they were underage. So that's 2018. Woo! This one, the next one that you want to read off is from December of 2018. Scene singer Devine Vanity is a rapist who preys on minors, a dozen women say. Devine Vanity raped a child. Police gave him a warning. Now 21 women accuse him of sexual assault. So that's from HuffPost, and that one came out in 2019, uh, April. So this has been spoken of for a while. It's not even the first one. I think that there were a few before the Metal Sucks one. And and before that, I mean, he was he had a reputation so far back, which we'll talk about. It, it, it definitely like makes me a little depressed at how much, especially in the 2000s, we just thought this was fine societally. Yeah, we did. I remember like men like speaking to me a certain way. I don't know if it was because early 2000s are my age or what, but I was just like totally fine with just being treated like shit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And as we're about to talk about, there were several times the police failed really long time ago that would have prevented a lot of girls from being raped 
and they they fucking they fucked up. Bad. Do the police like their music or something? I don't get it. No, I think it's more about the advocate issue that a lot of these girls had crazy looks and didn't come from great homes. And the, so the police thought that they were garbage and didn't care. That would right. be my guess. So in 2020, like I mentioned, Chris Hansen took on this story and he interviewed dozens of Taurus's victims. I highly recommend you go out and watch those. Uh, or if you don't want to watch the Chris Hansen ones, there's a there's a YouTuber named Repsilla who also interviewed a lot of them. These women and people, because some of them have come out as non-binary, are my heroes. They are incredible, extraordinary people. To survive not only the assault, but the harassment from this little man and the onslaught from his fans, which he would set them, he would set the fans on these people if they spoke out to like, to the point where we'll get into it. Oh my God, it's nuts because his fans are children. And so they'll do what he says. Then to come out and face the public in order to get him off the streets. It's, I'm, I, I admire them. I wish I could just buy them all a pony or something. And to have this not have been resolved yet is a travesty. It's a complete failing of this justice system, and we can't stop talking about him until he is off the streets. Honestly, and I'm saying this all allegedly, but come sue me, Jesus. Why don't you? I'd love to get more attention drawn to you. Pick on somebody who's not a child. So it turns out he was doing this before his little musics, much of which was written by the girls he, he's used. We'll later find out. Most of the lyrics and stuff was, were written by the girls. Oh, really? And he just stole that? Wow. Yeah, he trash man. didn't credit them. Yeah, no, he sucks on every single level. There's nothing redeeming about this person. Even before his little music. His little music. (laughs) I'd love your just like little digs. (laughs) He's he's, uh, he sucks. He fucking sucks. Before all that, he was he had himself a little name on a place called MySpace. So if you were call Amber, were you, were you like pretty MySpace active? Yeah, I would write poems and would just be like, I don't know if he likes me, but I like him and would have like tears and you could put music on there. Yeah. And it was always some like fairy music. I love that sort of Lord of the Rings uh-huh. vibe. <laughs> that was who I was on MySpace. Do you remember back then there were sort of like pseudo celebrities on MySpace? Like there would be people who were like famous for just being like personalities on MySpace kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... He was sort of one of those. It was like a micro celebrity. They weren't really famous, but within little communities, again, sort of just like the extension of what YouTube na- is now or, or social media now. But this is like the sort of prototype of that. So he was one of those. He had, you know, like uh, 100,000 friends or whatever it was called on MySpace, which was a big deal at the time. So he called himself the hair god on MySpace. Which also turns out it looks to be a front to force little girls to touch him. (gasps) There have never. Yeah. So there have never been any records found that he was licensed to do hair in Florida. So if he actually cut anyone's hair, it wasn't professionally. But he fronted as though he was a hairstylist. I think I've been to some of those people at like Sam's Cuts or whatever. You're going in for a fresh cut and you come out with a mullet. I mean, they probably at least had a license. <laughs> yeah. didn't even have that. I think I might have said the last episode that the earliest documented accusations I could find were from 2007, but it was actually 2006. 
And I highly doubt this is where it truly began either. God knows how long he was doing this, but by the time it was 2006, he was in his like early to almost mid 20s and he was already doing these things. So there is a testimony from a woman named Liz who said he assaulted her in 2006 after reaching out and saying he liked her hair and wanted to cut it. So this woman who was a girl at the time had that look. And he had been sort of targeting this look from this point. So he could see that this girl was really interested in this, this you know, wild hair look. So he reached out to her and said, your hair's cool. I'd love to cut it for you. He told her at this point he was 19, but he was actually around 24. He drove the two hours to her house and they went to the movies at some point in this get together. And at this point, in 2006, her friends in the scene scene already knew his reputation. They already knew. They warned her to not go to a secluded place with him because they had heard some things about him. In 2006. Mm. So I think this is largely due to the fact that MySpace used, you know, used to create these little pockets. So if he was already kind of hanging around the scene and this little girl was like involving herself in that in Florida because she was also a Florida girl. The friends probably were made aware of him from his presence online as well as at like shows, like scene shows where they all hung out together. So he had already developed a reputation of being a creep at this age. He has been doing this consequence free for at least 17 years. This is what that is saying to me. And I highly doubt it began then. This is just when the MySpace allowed him to really branch out. He probably thinks he's like God or like I can get away with whatever I want. Yeah. No one's caught me now. It's 17 years. I keep doing it. I'll do what I want. I'll even go harder and faster and more because who's going to stop me? I mean, and he hasn't been wrong so far. <laughs> I mean, it's really astounding. Liz has uh, an interview with Chris Hansen if you want to hear her whole story. I mean, it, it truly takes... There's so many victims, and I really appreciate and commend Chris Hansen for speaking to them. It's like 20, 30 hours of interviews. So I know not everybody has the time to do that, but I would recommend listening to at least some of them because they're so brave for what they're doing. So this woman, Liz, goes on to explain that she he was forceful, angry, and eventually physically aggressive with her. So she's 13 at the time. Remember this. She's little bitty. Yeah, she's a child. What began as a, this weird random reach out, him complimenting her on her hair and then became a hangout, became one in which he isolated her from her friends because they were all hanging out in a group together and he got her away from them. And what she describes him doing is it stated over and over by his many victims over decades. He's tried to get the young girls to cooperate with his insistence on receiving oral sex by grabbing their heads and pushing them down into his lap. When they would resist, he would begin to get angry, sometimes becoming more forceful, sometimes going through a process of calming them down and then like talking softly and trying to normalize the assault and then would immediately try again. Oh, that's bad. Cause then afterwards the girl's going to be like, what happened? Was that assault? I mean, he was speaking kindly for a second, but that's what true groomers and like 
assaultists do is they go this back and forth of good cop, bad cop. A hundred percent, Amber. And that is what he did. And that is what the girls experienced, even though they were deeply traumatized immediately. He knew what he was doing with little girls. He knew how to manipulate them. And a lot of them were repeatedly assaulted by him for years until they were able to escape like the the psychological prison that he put them in. So regardless of the fact that it was statutory rape, no matter what, it was also often forcible sexual assault, almost always via oral sex, or at least beginning with that and eventually penetrative sex. That's crazy to me because if you're a leader of a band, you can get women who will willingly have sex with you. They will throw themselves at you. He must have just liked the predatory nature. Absolutely. He he is clearly fixated on prepubescent girls. I mean, you, he has an obsession, an obsession. Like if you do a show and like you have groupies that are all like 20s women, you know, and they're just like, woo, we love you. Here's my titties. Like that's fine, sure. you know, but like to target girls from a poor background who are underage and force them that's some sick shit yeah and in a lot of the girls when they who are now women who've talked about their situation many of them had never even kissed a boy before when he did this to them so to say the very least it has caused extensive damage in their personal lives because that's not a great way to get introduced to sexuality I just fucking hate this dude, so I hate him with every fiber of my being. Okay, so the reason for him being able to get away with this for such an incredible amount of time isn't completely clear. But like I've said before, in my opinion, this is for one, because he targets girls who come from precarious situations, and this is an advocacy issue. This gets brushed over again and again and again, and they call it drama, and they call it tea, and they call it, oh, they're just, it's just he and his fans are having, their super fans are just always, there's so many drama things happening. Are you kidding me? These are little girls, and they're getting treated as though they're women because of all of the horrible shit that we do in our culture in general, but especially because a lot of them don't come from solid homes. And so suddenly we treat them like they're adults for some reason. It's weird. You like treat them like adults when they're 13. And yet when they get older, oh, sorry, baby, you don't have agency of your body mm-hmm. for Roe v. Wade or for voting because you're just a child. So mm-hmm. what is it? Am I a child or am I a woman? Let me fucking know so I can behave that way. It's yeah, whatever is beneficial to them, I guess, is what you are. Yeah. So the other reason, one of the other reasons is Florida. <laughs> Florida is fucking sucks. I hate it there. I wish that I never had to go back, but I f- we have family there. It's fine. Right. It's a lot of like, I like the swamps when we went for your birthday. I loved it. But because, you know, I'm a swamp girl. That's my mm-hmm. home. But no, then we I started, know. There's beautiful parts of it, truly. Oh, yeah. But when we started driving around, it was like the big, big trucks mm-hmm. and the, the highways that were just like, daddy knows best. Vroom, vroom. I was yeah. like, I'm uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So I say I bring this up saying Florida is one of the reasons because for one, he has operated from there uh for the, mo- the majority of his life, though he's had houses in other states. A lot of his his crimes have taken place there. And as far back as 2007, because when Huffington Post was reporting on this in 2020, 
The police were called on him, according to their reporting, way back in 2007. And there was evidence of this assault occurring. So we have evidence-based crimes. Here we go with the HuffPost. Vanity had already been accused of sexually assaulting a 14-year-old girl in 2007. The assault, which consisted of Vanity driving to her house while she was unattended and forcing her to perform oral sex, happened before Torres started Blood on the Dance Floor. Vanity, who only introduced himself to Farrell as Devine, had driven to Farrell's house while her mother, a single parent working two jobs, was away. Devine had promised to dye her hair for her. Farrell later called a Christian radio show asking for advice from the show host, Dawson McAllister. McAllister, who was probably expecting a call about bullying or relationship advice, listened as his caller told him about how she had been sexually assaulted eight days ago. He was one of the first people to know what had happened to Farrell. When police officers, called by McAllister's staff, arrived to obtain Farrell's statement, she was afraid of being in trouble and getting vanity in trouble. He had proclaimed that he had loved her, and while her assault was anything but pleasant, Farrell didn't want to hurt him. Yeah, so he essentially assaulted this girl by very similar means as the last girl I just spoke of and kind of tricked her into say, like hanging out with him, forcibly made her have give him oral sex when she was a child. And she didn't know who to talk to, so she tried to call in anonymously to this, yeah. this radio show. And they reported it, which is the correct thing to do. That's good. That's another reason why they like underage girls is because you don't know if this is bad or wrong and I don't want to make trouble. Mm-hmm. Like, I just want to, like, go to school and, like, get along. You know, I don't want to make waves. I don't want everybody looking at me. This is embarrassing. Yeah. And also trying to protect him because probably in that girl's mind, she was also, like, this is partly her fault. She must have misled him or, you know, he's so cool. I don't want people to know that I got him in trouble because then I'll be considered like, like lame, you know, that all of that stuff goes through your head. And this happened in Pinellas County, of course, which is, uh, God, I'm familiar with the county. So that was also the county where, if you'll recall back in the American Child Bride series from season one, a 10 year old girl was married to an adult man who is now an activist. So great, great county to go to. I'm mad at the cops because they, when they came and she didn't want to press charges and the mother said, I don't want to press charges if you just tell him to leave my daughter alone. And they did. They didn't do their job. And it's because of this. Lewd and vicious battery, sexual penetration of a child between the ages of 12 and 15 by an adult, for which Torres was briefly investigated, is a form of statutory rape and a felony punishable by up to 15 years in prison. Ignorance of the victim's age is not admissible. Defense under Florida law. And 14-year-olds cannot legally consent to sex with the 22-year-olds in the state. But police let Torres off anyway. Victim refuses cooperation with prosecution. The police report concluded. Case closed. So no matter what the family said in that instance, they should have arrested him. It doesn't matter if they they wanted to press charges or not. He committed a felony. Yeah, that's like if I murdered somebody and their family was like, we don't want to press charges. Like, well, yeah, I just like physically hurt them. Like, you need to press charges. Exactly. And so the cops failed in that moment. They could have gotten him arrested at that point, and they just did not do anything. This has been done again and again with Torres. So fuck that cop seriously. You fucking, you did your job wrong. 
And so the, that assault just went away. He wasn't charged with anything. And I guess he decided the easiest way to continue to access little girls was to pretend to make music. Blood on the dance floor was formed. And after some finagling, a guy who went by Garrett Ecstasy joined Torres to form this group. I'm, and again, I know a lot of the young people who connected with him, that band meant a lot to them. And I'm, I'm not trying to like belittle any of your childhood feelings about the band. But I think a lot of you and I have heard a lot of people in interviews say they don't understand why they listened to the music. or thought it was incredible because it's for little kids, but also it's very sexual. It's a very sexually explicit music for children. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Yeah. So I'm sorry if that it, it, like that hurts anybody's feelings, but you got to just like really take a good look at this music and go, you know what? Natalie's right. <laughs> so this guy, this other guy, Garrett Ecstasy, joins Torres. The pairing of this group, though, was short-lived because in 2009, a pair of very brave teenagers named Ariel and Torin, Torin specifically, reported their assaults to the police at a Blood in the Dance Floor show. Please go listen to their interview with Chris Hansen if you want to listen to them. Just a handful of the interviews. Theirs is really great to listen to. So Ariel was first assaulted by him. He got her away by saying, like, you're going to I'm going to sign something for you. Basically took her away in a van, tried to get her to perform oral sex on him. She continued to resist, say, no, no, no. He got very angry and he basically threw her, threw her out of the van. So then he walked back into the club, basically grabbed another girl who happened to be friends with Ariel, and that's Torin. And then he managed to successfully assault this minor. The second girl, Torin, goes back in and tells her boyfriend um, because she's in shock. Like she had no idea this was going to happen. And her boyfriend says, rightfully, you've been assaulted. We need to call the police. So even though this girl is so young and so upset, she decides she needs to be brave and tell the venue and the venue calls the police. So blood on the dance floor is playing and the police show up and literally drag Torres off stage that day. Good. Well, <sighs> so they, they drag him off. This is 2009. They police then drop the ball because a traumatized Torin agrees to go to the hospital to get a rape kit, but because she didn't know anything about how to like preserve rape evidence she didn't know that she wasn't supposed to wash her mouth out because he had ejaculated in her mouth Ugh. and of course yeah of course a little girl who's just been assaulted isn't going to go like well i better keep this in here so it can be swabbed she washed her mouth out because she was disgusted so they couldn't get any dna evidence and essentially the police were just like well we don't have anything sorry and basically just like abandon this these girls they dropped the charges Poof goes away again. Torin says that her experience there taught her not to go to the police, which she says, again, that's not really what she feels, but that's what she, that's basically the, the thing that she took away from that as a girl going through all of this, being brave enough to talk about it, brave enough to report it. And then the cops just fucking fail her. And so she, this was this horrible experience. There's no resolution. Torres eventually speaks on it, calls her a crazy person, calls her a liar, goes on camera saying that he had intercourse with a woman 
this girl was like 15 and that she had she was mentally ill and that she then failed her rape kit, which is not a thing that happens. Yeah, it's not a test. It's not like no. the ACT, SAT. Right. So that's his statement on it. So, you know, he went on a smear ca- campaign against her. His fans decimated this girl. She's still dealing with it today. Anyway, due to this event and I guess what other things this guy, Garrett Ecstasy, had witnessed, he leaves the band, but he credits this event as the reason he left. I assume he was getting a lot of weird vibes from Torres because Torres is a creep. And it's weird that a guy named Garrett Ecstasy is the good one here. Yeah, he sounds like he gives person. drugs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's still active in music and stuff, I think, or maybe he's a drag queen. I forget. I'm sorry. I apologize. I know that he's still active and doing stuff. And it seems to be like a, a solid person as far as I know. So after Garrett walks away, Torres needs another person, presumably because he's talentless and can't do a stage performance by himself. But I think he learned from that experience that because Garrett Ecstasy was also an adult that was like in the age range of Torres, that's, that's not going to work. To get away with this shit, he was going to need to groom the other people around him for him to get away with the literally the only thing he lives for, which is rape. So I'm sorry, but that's just the way it's the truth. I mean, he lives for one thing. There is nothing else to him. He is a one dimensional thing. Allegedly, <laughs> he picks up a scene kid who's been hanging around for a couple years, just like in that like same crew of people. His name is Jeremy Brian Griffiths, but he's known by his stage name, Jay Vaughn Monroe. He's still around doing stuff. He was actually just on a uh, season of the drag show Dragula, which is a really fun show. You should check out a few like that sort of thing. But he had been hanging around the scene kids for a while and he was a kid. And basically, Taurus saw him from a young age. And basically, as soon as Jay Vaughn Monroe turned 18, he basically was like, you're in the band now. So he also groomed his his bait his bandmates into like not really understanding what he, what he was doing at the shows. I have like a bit of mixed feelings about this guy. Um, I 100% agree he was a victim and he was definitely groomed by Torres. But as a young man, like 18, 19 years old, he participated in some of the um, abuse of these young girls, like harassment wise, not like physically abusing them, but. We'll talk about it, but we might actually have to wait until the next episode. He participated in some of that. It doesn't sit well with me, but whatever. He was very young. 2009, 2010 is the time when Javon Monroe became the other member of Blood on the Dance Floor. This is also the time period Jeffree Star starts doing stuff with the band. Most of you are probably- He's a makeup guy, right? Yes. Yes. So before he was the makeup guy, he was performing and, and writing music with fucking Blood on the Dance Floor. Oh, but Jeffree Star's had some weird allegations against him, right? Yes. So a lot of people have a lot of feelings about Jeffree Star. I don't particularly like him. He, he has been shown to be lying a lot. Like he contradicts himself quite a bit whenever it's. I mean, his whole thing him. is makeup. That's all a lie, right? <laughs> yeah, his face is a lie. Yeah. But he basically was a part of this scene scene back then. And so he also was kind of just like. He, be, he was also a minor celebrity on YouTube and um, 
and MySpace. So they kind of all like hung around each other. And then he was like doing, he was performing with the band and stuff. I think he was on the Warp Tour with us the t- that year, singing with them, I believe. Um, so yeah, if you, he is a makeup guru if you're not familiar with who he is, but he's amassed an absolute fortune based on his online presence and his makeup line. He's like really, really, really rich. He's been canceled like, 12 times but he always seems to bounce back so i don't know i everybody has different feelings about him but it's weird that you can like gain such fortune and really just start on myspace you know what did he just start yeah. like doing little stuff and like little makeup and like yeah living the dream now i guess yeah but he never seems very happy he's very no. mean also he's like he's he's doing up he's like has a yak ranch now he's trying to sell yak meat i that just seems know, like man. some fever dream. Like I, I sell yak meat now, and then we go to the different palettes. Yeah, I, I've seen a video of him recently, and he's wearing like a, like a like a mink stole, walking around a yak ranch, just like be, talking about how he's gonna make meat out of them. And it does sound like like a like a um, a Mark Ryden painting or something. Just like what? What are you talking? It's like something AI came up with. So basically, Jeffree Star has gotten shit because he, at at one point in the past, had denounced Torres, calling him a child fucker, like saying he's disgusting, like all this stuff coming out, denouncing him, and then proceeding to go back on tour with him. So there's already a whole dramatic situation with that. I don't trust, I would never trust this dude as far as I could throw him. I don't think that Jeffrey necessarily participated in any of the sexual abuse, but I do think he knew a lot of the behavior and didn't really care until, until it started affecting his brand. That would be my guess. So Torres now has Javon Monroe and Jeffrey Starr doing music shit with him. With this trio, the band really starts to hit its peak in popularity. At this time, a young child who comes into the story, who I think got maybe the worst backlash online for merely existing maybe ever the story of jesse slaughter is almost unbelievable in its cruelty and that grown adults set out to destroy an elementary school student and fans supported this is just beyond the pale i can't imagine the time taken out of my day to rag on an elementary school like a little girl to be that mad i mean don't you go outside don't you paint don't you listen to music that isn't trash? Like, yeah. these people don't have lives. I think we're going to wrap up here and start next episode with the story of Jesse Slaughter, whose real name is Damien Lionheart and has come out as non-binary. I think we'll start with next episode with this story. And it's it's almost unbelievable that grown adults did this to them. I, I can't believe how this person has come through as such a funny, like strong, smart person after unspeakable things were done to them. So I am going to end it here and we'll pick it back up from the story of Jesse Slaughter next week. Um, how you feeling, Amber? <laughs> I'm feeling good. Wowie, wowie. I mean, I don't know. I just am mad. <laughs> yeah. I'm just kind of mad. Like, these little girls are just existing, and then these predators are out there just like, let me force her. Again, there are women that will go to your shows, show them their tits, and be like, I can't wait to suck you off. But no, no, no. 
They can't have those women. They got to have the underage girls. Yeah. And somebody like this with this sort of prolific activity and proclivities, I think it's so much about causing suffering. I think it's so much about dominance and causing pain in these kids' lives. It's not even about like the sex thing. I don't, I don't think it comes out in that way. I don't think it's about necessarily, even though it is like obviously this dude by many accounts has to ejaculate like multiple times a day. It is uh, by many accounts, his dick smells awful. So uh, he sounds like an emperor in Rome because some of them would like Caligula, they have sex with children and throw them over balconies to kill them. Yeah, that's what he was in a past life. That's what he'd love to be. He doesn't have the um, the power that a Roman emperor had, but that's how he sees himself. Certainly. We're just going to keep talking and we, we have to fucking keep bringing him up until he's not on the streets anymore. Uh, this if he hides in darkness so we have to keep talking about it and also the people that he's hurt deserve to have their stories told too yeah yeah so we'll be back next week with the the continuation of jesus david torres jesus david torres also known as davi vanity we are regardless of that piece of shit saucy pert and greasy over here on spun and you can follow us someplace underneath and me and then me natty jean amber smelson across the board see you guys soon peace This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com.